Hello, welcome to It's a Mimic. My name is Dungeon Master Terry. On my right is Dungeon Master Dan. I'm on your left. Oh, wait, no, you're on my left. Yeah, hi. Okay, well, we're not editing this. So no, no, this is staying in. Okay, yeah. I'm on your left. On my left and Dan's left is Dungeon Master Adam. Hi. He's kind of across the table from me. He's not on my left. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. This is not theater of the mind. Okay. <laughs> this is by far, the, and we excel at this. This is by far the best podcast opening we've ever done. We have a special episode for you guys today. We're going to do a mailbag of holding episode. We receive almost tens of questions every week. Hundreds? We, no, we got, we got a baker dozen. Okay. Worth of questions. Yeah, they come in 13th. It's we fine. get a lot of questions, often covering similar topics. So we would like to have a special episode for you guys today where we're going to dip into our mailbag of holding. We're going to pull them out at random and answer whatever questions you guys are throwing at us. And this is the way we're going to do it, gents. I will decide who essentially rolls first, who reaches into the bag, chooses the dice to select from what table. Okay. So we're not rolling for initiative. Answer the question. The person who, re- person who reads the question can answer it for themselves first if they want to, or they can throw it out to the group first, but ultimately we'll let everybody get a, a little go on each question. Cool, cool, cool. You guys are happy with this? Yes. Yeah. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Okay, good to go. So, Dan, you can go first. You can reach into the bag, choose uh. a dice, die. Know what? Red ones go faster. Let's do this. Five. All right. Ooh, Dan, we got the red die for five. Question number five. At Ben Skeen wants to know the difference between making a character for one shot versus one for a campaign. I'll throw this out at you guys. Actually, I covered this in episode seven. I was talking about how to build characters, and uh, I jumped in and said... That when it comes down to a one-shot character, I look at it from the mechanic standpoint. When I look at something I'm going to run for an entire campaign, I'm in it for the flavor, for the role-playing aspect of it. Because I'm going to be married to this character for months, potentially. Right? So, potentially years even for some people. So, I don't want a mechanically optimized but boring AF character right off the bat. Yeah. Unless it's a one-shot, at which point I want to dazzle my friends with the greatest thing mechanically mm-hmm. that I've built. Look at this maximized fireball at level 5, boys. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, so that's that's where I look at it. Honestly, um, that's when I'm digging at my meta magic for a sorcerer. Yep. Um, whereas, for a one-shot, whereas in a campaign, I'm looking at my wild magic for a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Right? Which one am I playing with more? Which one am I more excited about? That's that's the difference for me. What about you guys? I would just say for me, um, <coughs> excuse me. I would just say for me, it's a matter of the types of people that you want to have in your life for one night compared to the types of people that you want to have in your life for the rest of your life. So one night stands versus versus long term relationships versus long term relationships. Yeah, yeah. The, these are two very different people, <laughs> especially in D and D. One one person is going to blow your mind for one night. That character, but you. It would be exhausting. And not just your mind. It would Not just your mind. But it may be exhausting to play them for years to come. Dan? No, I'm in the same boat. I, I would rather have a character that is optimized as hell and is ready to just destroy the table and, and just a fun character to make uh, <laughs> for, the, for the one night stand. Yeah, the other thing too that I'm going to look at for a second here is multi-classing. 
right? Oh, I, I will, I will tweak the hell out of a character for for that. Like for the I've, one night, for the I've one got night stand if, if I've yeah. got five levels, I've got one level in five classes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm spread out, mm-hmm. right? Cool, totally. Yeah. All right, uh, Adam, you can go. You can go next. Choose All right, yourself a colored die. You I'm go going to grab the black die. Black with the red. D20. Oh, I rolled a two. Two on the black table. On the black table. So, uh, Great A's five one one wants to hear interesting ways of introducing PCs. He says my group really struggles with that. All right. So interesting ways of uh, introducing player characters, Terry. Uh, it's- Introducing to the game, I, I imagine that he, uh, this person means introducing them to the game for the action, not just this is my character and this whatever. Uh, I would say talk to your DM first, okay? So it it so then you guys know together how your PC is going to be introduced as part of the story, and it's usually I find more fun to have it be action related somehow, that because this person doesn't know the rest of the party to be forced to work with them because the situation has arisen. Your character just died. In a campaign, and you had to bring in a new character, and everyone else was established. How did you do that? You just dealt with bringing in a PC. We were crossing paths because our missions were taking us in opposite directions, and my character thought that, that they should be going in this direction to find something, but when when after having the social encounter <coughs> with the rest of the party, discovered that they need to actually be going the same way as the party. So, But we discussed that with the DM. I discussed that with the DM, which was you, um, to talk about how we're going to bring that in. So he came in with his work. own, objective and, own then, objective, and then was... Uh, that was objective changed was by. shifted yeah but the the important part is use your DM your DM is there to help you tell that story otherwise you're just shooting in the dark because you don't know what's coming next session you don't know how you're going to bring it in with everybody else yeah. use your DM for outside of the table if it's a new, if it's a new player like full on to the group I've had to join this group recently and I'm not even the newest player in this group we had um, one of our other uh, players Megan she joined hi Megan as well um, and there's there's uh, three things you should do. One, um, the way we kind of brought Megan in was weird and awkward, I think we could admit. It was the last session for a couple of our key players who had been around for a long time, and Megan came in to play a NPC. Um, I think that's a good test for a brand new person who's never played the game. Let them come in and play an NPC for a session before they roll an actual character. You mean if they haven't played with this group of people, but they're familiar with the mechanics of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would also say that if the person is new to the game entirely... Meet up with them one-on-one as the DM beforehand and sit down and be like, here's what a strength score is here and give them a little bit of a breakdown um, and then run like a little quick intro, five minutes. There's a orc standing between you and a pie in a one-door room. You want <coughs> the pie go. Like just something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Get, them, get them familiar with how the game is played so that when they come to the session brand new, um, they aren't starting flat-footed. Okay, so now I want to take that same question about introducing a PC, but I want to take it from the player's perspective, right, um, of what you should keep in mind when you are going in with a brand new character is be malleable. Yeah. Don't yeah, go yeah. in there dead set on my tragic backstory and you all have to have to put up with all of my quirks and the stuff that I've been excited about. Go in with a general idea and see where you fit with this group. And the, for the rest of the group, one of the things that drove me nuts in our last session one that we played as a group was I went, okay, these guys are all experienced players. They all know what they're doing. We're getting on the same page. Terry and one of the other players had shared backstory. So we're just going to be able to launch right into this. But no, I had to sit there for 20 minutes while two characters sat there and tried to out-rogue each other in a bar. <laughs> 
and it dragged the game to a halt, and everyone else sat around and had to put up with their egos. I can't for, even remember that, to be honest. No, I bet uh, neither of you can remember that because you were so busy. It was both of us. It was you and me. Gazing. I don't even remember. Uh, I, uh, Terry, uh, you walked over with your character and you pickpocketed someone. And then Dan super noticed it and wandered over and, and tried to pickpocket it back but it didn't work. So he took your drink and then you went, oh, that's fine. That's no problem. And then you walked over and, and like you locked eyes. And you guys had this weird moment at the beginning. And sure, your rogues. I, oh, this I, was I right it. before we had even got the mission. This was in the bar. Yeah, you right guys, off the beginning. I remember before this you had met, already decided not to like each other, and that bled through for the next like four sessions, where you were in competition consistently. For new players, you guys are pretty experienced. For new players, don't do that. No, find a way to work together. Yeah, yeah and, I see and, what you're saying. I'm going to tell you what was actually happening in my mind in that situation. We just hate Dan. What yeah, happened no, was you had two all of people us. with similar skills meeting for the first time. The We're two testing each other out. And it's more, remember, these people don't know each other. And it's trying to feel each I don't know anything about your character. And you don't know anything about mine. And, and it was more of a, the common thing that we have to feel each other out, to start conversation, to start something going. I, I don't think it was in that situation, we're going to just compete. We didn't know anything about each other. It no. was trying to start a dialogue, I think, yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. form but, a relationship. But I have seen in the past where other characters have been in direct competition with each other I'm for with things, yeah. and that's not how you start a session. Or, uh, that's not how you start a campaign. No. Become friends first and have those fun little rivalries pop up session six, now, session seven, when everyone's on board. Now, once a character dies and you're bringing in the uh, experienced and a permanent player in this group and you're bringing in their new character in the middle of a campaign, um, you as players have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. You have to suspend this aspect of your characters where if, if you're coming in the session after and all of a sudden that guy's coming out with a new voice and new everything else, there's a little bit of, yes, okay, we'll interrogate you later aspect. Just get the game moving. Don't have this two-hour, like... I point my hand crossbow at him until he speaks Scottish at me. Don't do that. Right. Okay. Which is why I like to use the concept of in media res for the new for the new player. Yeah. When that player comes in, have them come in in the middle of an action sequence mm -hmm. where they have to team up together. Yeah. Force yeah. them to be allies. Remember, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So use that. This stranger also hates this enemy. Now where he's going to, for whatever reason team up with the group against this enemy yep. and then join with the group permanently because we as players understand that this is a game and everyone around the table deserves to be a part of this game. Yep. And so therefore we're not going to say, oh, you know what? No, we we absolutely hate this new bard that joined. Let's just assassinate him in his sleep on session one so they'll roll a new character we like better for session two. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't no. do that. I saw that happen in a campaign one oh, time. Oh, you did? I yeah. figured it was the example. That you, yeah, you everybody around the table except the person playing agreed that that's an annoying character. We don't want to play with that. He, had, he was a bard with a cookie monster voice. I think I... <laughs> okay. Yeah. First of all, I see this for both sides. <laughs> I understand the immediate dislike for this character. But secondly, playing it from that person who created that character, at that point, I think I would say... I'm not sure I want to play with these people because this is what they did to yeah, me. Which is why we talked about party politics so much yeah. in the last episode, right? Yeah. So. I think we're done for this one. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, I will good. roll the white die for a 10. 10 on the white table. Let's take a look. Uh, oh my goodness, what is this? RW by Sinister? 
asks Ruby Sinister. Ruby, that's a that's an anime. Oh, that's an anime. It's oh. an anime. You're is so it, proud of yourself. Is it an anime? Is that what I said? It is yeah. an anime. Yes. Okay, this Rooster is Teeth. an it's anime. Fantastic. Sorry, Ruby Sinister. Uh, asks, what is your favorite class race combo in Five E, aka the classic? Uh, I'll throw this out to Dan. Okay, go on. Uh, we'll let everybody go, but you can go first. Uh, yeah, mine's gonna be quick. Half orc barbarian. Next. Half orc barbarian. Yeah, but why? Ah, uh, it's my classic. It's my go-to. I I like. What is the... it about it that you like about it? Though? Um, I am. I've been known to be a bit of a boisterous person, uh, no. loud, you? aggressive. Um, maybe a bit. Uh, lower on the intelligence scale and a bit too quick to act. Tinged green. Tinged a little green because I'm usually sick. Like it's it's just playing. It's playing my close to home. You're character. just exaggerating. Uh, Half orc barbarian is my is my safety blanket. Mm-hmm. If if I don't know what else to do, I will roll Oscar the orc, <laughs> which is also my Instagram handle. Um, like <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll roll it, and I'll play it for two or three sessions, realize I've grown up since I was 14 years old, and roll something else. Have you? Uh, quite a lot, because I would also flip on that uh, Dragonborn Paladins. No, you don't get two. No, I'm, 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 get, I'm putting two. Dragonborn Paladins? Oh my, I could play those forever, man. Like, uh, a metallic color Dragonborn. Like, just large, loud, boisterous still, but... Um, resolute and just and good like i i i like that like the, tr- the traditional knight i see, that. I see that as being like exaggerated um characteristics of yours though yeah that makes yeah. sense that's good all adam. i do is throw a little bit of gravel in my voice and then just do what i would do <laughs> adam um is that we always eating rocks is that what okay. uh no halflings ah. yeah uh, speaking of uh i would definitely definitely be a halfling bard I want to have the inspiration dice, and I want to re-roll on Lucky. Mm-hmm. I want to manipulate my dice all of the time. And B, as everyone sits there and brandishes their weapon, a tiny voice from the back of the party goes, No, 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 just wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and and walks between their legs and step forward and go, We can sort this out without violence. And watch the half-orc barbarian in the corner go, But I want to do violence! Right? Like, I want to play that halfling Let me bar. do the violence part. I want to do the violence part. Yeah. Um, also, I, I think that uh, halflings are just underutilized. and They're the they're the red-headed stepchild of 5th Ed. Mm-hmm. They yeah. get no attention whatsoever. Um, and I think that they deserve some. Yep. Um, I love Willow. I love uh, Lord of the Rings. We need to have more short people, more small characters. Because we don't have enough of them compared to previous editions. No. So that that's my answer. And also bards are the superior class in 5th edition. They can just do it all. Hmm. So that's We're not it. wrong. Yeah. We're not wrong. I think I think uh, me and you added, we, we definitely think about favorite race class combo differently. I think you're kind of thinking uh, you were more mechanics based there. I'm not. It's honestly, I spend my whole life going up how I feel. Today... My favorite race class combo is ASMR Cleric, because that's my current character. That's what I was excited to play. Mm-hmm. A very celestial cleric war domain, like some sort of holy warrior. Today, next week, it's going to be different, because I don't choose mine based on anything mechanics-based. What am I into right now? Yeah, no. answer that question. No, that's fair. Yeah. Yep. Uh, should we go again? Yep. Another, go again. Another lap around? So I could, I could choose any color here again, or do yeah, I have to no, stick with any red? color. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, black. No, Black. Not too bad doing it. Nine. Nine. 
<laughs> all natural 20s. How you doing? Okay. Uh, all natural 20s. Is it says, a question about a dick by any chance? <laughs> I don't know. I don't is it a know. question about Terry? Because the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he is. Um, all natural 20s says, I love hearing how people in the community find each other. How did you all meet? All right, I'm going to start this off before Adam can interject. I have known Adam since I was four years old, five years old. Five. Five. I interjected. Yeah, you interjected. <laughs> no, but I still started before you did. Um, we, Adam was my brother's friend and my tormentor for the majority of my life until uh, recently he needed a player in one of his uh, D&D games and went, hey, you're not busy with your full-time job, three kids, uh, wife, role in the church everything else you got time for another D D game and i'm like yeah yeah sure why not i can make it work and i have and uh, i've been having lots of fun with the campaign I, th- I think you undersell it a little bit first of all tormentor i like to say torturer it gives more of a, no, of no, a physical no, concept and there was no resume. it was all emotional dude it was all emotional and mental good good Good, good, good. Anyways, so that's so, how I met you. Yeah. I met Terry through this D&D. That was all, when you guys first met, I'm sure that was part of Adam's D&D prep for this current campaign. Yeah, Because he plays a long game, and he's a high prepper. So he's like, I'll start early to get down to the right <laughs> mental space for when we begin this campaign. Yeah. But, okay, so, uh, yeah, I met Dan. We were we met through scouting, actually, right? Yeah, yeah, it was so, Boy Scouts. Um, so, I, yeah, I was friends with his older brother. I still am. Um, and... It's been shout oh, out to tw- my older brother. Yeah, twenty eight years. Something like um, that, yeah. So uh, everyone's doing the math right now to find out how old you are. So yeah, um, he's bald. That's that's what you need to know. So the Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so however, all I want to do is grow hair again. Uh, what happened actually, and I don't know if you know this, Terry, is uh, Dan was behind me at a drive through. Uh, I was going through for work, and I was driving in with my dad because we carpool. Uh, into downtown and Dan was behind me first thing in the morning and he like honked on the horn and so I sent him a message and I'm like uh, hey let's uh, let's meet up and grab a coffee yeah because it had been like months yeah we hadn't seen each other in a long time and then we started talking about D&D what's happening in our own campaigns and I knew that two of our players were leaving Mm -hmm. um, because they were moving to another country and I said well I want replacement characters so so we can keep spinning this forward let's bring in Dan before they leave yeah so I pitched it to Dan. Dan said, sure, I hate my life, so I want something worthwhile. And so Adam's campaign is that. Um, I, I'm paraphrasing. I, I, I would say it differently, but no, I'll, 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 <laughs> but it's not your turn. It. It's not my so, turn. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, um, but the way that I met Terry was, um, was through Dungeons and Dragons. We both got invited separately to a group where we didn't really know anybody. Mm. I knew one person, and you didn't know, you didn't knew know one, anybody. You knew one person. I knew one player, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so we each came to this, uh, Curse of Strahd campaign, totally um, unaware of anyone else around the table. You guys met through the internet. I, I knew one guy through through work, right? Yeah. And so we found out about the campaign. And when we played it, Terry, you created a character. You were ready to go. And the DM said, no, I want to be a player instead. Never mind. And Terry stepped up to be the DM <laughs> with a brand new group of people have, having never DM'd a party of six before. And oh, by the way, it, look what's come out of it. Thrown yeah. in without a session zero either because it was just like, we got to do this, go. It was madness. So, uh, But Terry handled it really well. And so um, we've now, we're in our third campaign yeah. now. Campaign so, three, yeah. So, uh, and it was still, still going strong. The group is still mostly alive. 
as a solid group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go. Yeah, we go weekly as often as we can. Really, we get very few interruptions. Yeah. We're more uh, so recently, but that's just we're like, all that's okay. we're all really committed to actually making the game work. But I mean, life does happen, and sometimes you take a couple weeks off. But the thing I find about this group that I haven't found in my previous groups is you we're take, just more handsome. As well, well, that and you take two or three weeks off and come back to it, and it's like you took no time off at all, and yeah. you're right back into the swing. I've had full campaigns of incredibly intricate characters and plot lines die because we had to take two weeks off because someone was sick for two weeks. Yeah. Like in, in previous groups. So yeah. I like the uh, the tenacity of this group. Yeah. And I get, well, you guys, I guess, already covered how we met. Yeah. I met Adam uh, going in for that game. And then, Dan, when you joined the campaign, we all got together. I think we got together in, in a bar. Yeah. We, one we, we went to a pub one and, evening. And I got, like, sat across the table from everybody and got, like, the dragon's den interview yeah. i was like I why that. That was should so funny but why should we invite you to our group and i'm like i don't know i was placed at the table as the person that would see you coming in the door but we'd never met before no so i just looked for the dude i think you had a DD t-shirt on or something i specifically wore it as like, like a signal some guy a critical role t-shirt it looks like he's looking for people and then we yeah we kind of met chad decided that you weren't insane and that was okay <laughs> and so i invited you to my house and i remember saying uh, to somebody later on, I think that Dan guy is really nice. And they were like, why? And I was like, the second time I met him, he hugged me. So I, <laughs> he's probably yeah, really I'm, nice I'm a person. hugger. Dan, I'm a hugger. hugger. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that I will say that was an interesting story about when we all met, Adam warned me before I went to your house the first time, hey, you really got to be careful with, you know, Terry's dog. He he is <laughs> vicious. You just gotta give him space. Oh, he like, climbed a wall one time. He climbed a wall the one time. I get there and it's a Roomba. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I I I felt so dejected because right <laughs> I was so excited. I'm like, dog, yay! Because I am not allowed a dog in my current place where I live. So I, I and I love dogs. So I'm like, yay! I get a pet and cuddle a dog for a D and D session. What could be better in life? And it was a robot. And I'm like, yeah. Bum 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 bum. I would I would pet and cuddle a robot for. That's session. the way the world's going right now. Yeah, you know they've they've already made robots that you can pet and cuddle. Okay, so, let's not talk about oh, what you do on Thursday nights. Next question. Nice no, next question. Is, is that me? Yeah, Adam. Right, I'm rolling the red die. Uh, four. Quattro. Um, kind of a rarity says, how do you pace a one shot properly? Anytime I run one, it always goes two to three sessions. Ooh, who's going on this one? Uh, let's go with Dan, who's probably run more one shots than anyone else. Um, I didn't. You give me this one, and I go, I have failed at this, and yes, I agree. They usually go two to three sessions, because my group will get together for one shot. They'll make these characters, and they'll blow the the objective. Keep it simple is is the the go-to on this one. Like, don't have too intricate of a plot. You've got four hours to bang it out, including the party meeting each other, probably. So, (laughs) if, if you've only got four hours to bang it out, there shouldn't be an intricate plot thread. It's a... There's the bad guy. Get to them and kill them. Yeah. That's it. Because your final right? battle could, is probably going to take two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, like, there should be one, maybe two, if your party's good enough, like, uh, encounters, whether they be social or exploration or whatever, in between. And then there is one big end boss battle, and then you're done. My campaigns, I do that. And then everyone goes, man, I really liked playing that uh Dragonborn. Yeah, Paladin, okay, so you get a sequel though. Oh, so so we get a following sequel. Still leave, always leave it on a cliffhanger, even if it's a one shot. Yeah, and then, it, and then I get uh, one of my party members constantly sends me messages every two days. Hey, when are we playing next? 
Hey, when we play in next? You got him. Hey, when we play in next? Brad. Anyways, <laughs> he's so, also the one that sends me messages going, "Hey, when's the next podcast? Hey, when's the next podcast? Hey, when's the next podcast?" Brad. <laughs> I like Brad. I don't know Brad. So I would say for me um, is to follow that old principle of like the five room dungeon yeah. because you can pull things in and, and put take them back out, put them back in as you need them based on how it's pacing. So if that first room, by the way, by room I mean it doesn't necessarily need to be a room in a dungeon. It could just be an encounter outside in the open world. If that takes too long, well then rooms two and three or encounters two and three don't need to be included. This is a one shot. This is not a plot critical thing here. You're basically, for me, it's a series of not so random encounters until you get to the last one. Yeah. It may be five. It may end up being three based on the game's pacing, how the game is pacing, but have things that you can pluck in and pluck out to keep it timed correctly. Okay, so my method for running a one shot is very, very, very simple and it is by pulling the audience. What I do ahead of time before I prep anything is I say, hey, we've got a chance to do a one-shot here. Uh, what do you guys want to play? What level do you want to play? What uh, style do you want to play? Do you want to play a gothic horror? Do you want to play a high fantasy? Do you want to go sword and sorcery? What are we doing? So let me know. Here are a handful of ideas. You guys vote as a group to see what you want to do. And I let everybody else choose what it is. And so if everyone wants to do puzzles... Then I'll do three or four puzzles with a little combat and a little social. If everybody wants to do combat, then there then it's mostly combat. Right. But I try to stick to I try to stick to four. Whatever the thing is they vote for, I do at the beginning and I do at the end. I try to do a social one uh, right before the end um, because they were social when they uh, met in the tavern mm -hmm. or wherever they started. And then there's usually a puzzle in the very middle. Something very, very, very simple. Normally lift the rock over here and put it down over there. Yeah. Right? Something no-brainer that they can do because when I'm running out of time, I then bring the social encounter into that puzzle room. Yeah. And it two things are going on at once. Yeah. Right? And uh, so that's that's how I would manage the I like that. I like pulling the audience so you're not going down the wrong line straight away. I, yeah. I, I do have one question for both of you. Do you do one-shots out of the current plot with the current characters? Oh, no. God, no. No, no, no. What I will do, though, is I will do a, a tangential mm -hmm. uh, scenario. So what you guys will do is, for a one-shot is go in and get the artifact from the whatever, and then that artifact will show up surrounded by five corpses, which were the party from that, and that artifact is sitting there uh, for the main storyline to run across. So there's a purpose to yeah. it besides just playing. Yeah, I, I would do it outside of the current campaign, uh, but leave it open to a sequel, essentially. Always leave it on a little bit of a cliffhanger so that if, if, if you're playing with a lot of people who've never played before, they're like, oh my goodness, that was incredible. Can we do this again next week? You're more equipped to go, yes, we can, because this, exactly. X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's, uh, it's my turn. I'm going to go. My instincts have black die. I'm going to go black die. 11. For 11, I have, what's this? <laughs> It's, I'm not good with these. Sir Mike B. Oh, Sir Mike B. I was going. I was like Siri M. Cap. Uh, Sir Mike B. Asked, <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into D and D? It looks like it's pretty popular around the world. Uh, Adam, you want to go first on this one? Okay. Uh, how I got into D and D was hanging out with Dan's brother and his roommate, and they said, "Hey, you know what's a lot of fun is Dungeons and Dragons," and I went, "Nerds." But I was in my early twenties, I guess. Probably 21, 22. Um, and they said this, and I went, yeah, sure, you know, I, I'm up for anything. I was, I'm, a, I'm a nerd anyway. Let's check this out. And they put the player's handbook for 3.5 and the Dungeon Master's Guide in my hand and said, go away. Come back in a week with this. And I sat down with my brother and two other 
friends that were like two different friends. Yeah. And we all rolled up characters because I'm like, guys, I've got nothing going on this afternoon. Come over. Help me figure this out. So we rolled up characters that we were all super excited about playing. And then that turned into a monstrous campaign. There were 11 players at one point. At one point, yeah. I was part of that campaign at one point too, wasn't I? Yeah. yeah. There, there, was, uh, there was a battle map, one of the vinyl battle maps up on the wall. Yeah. And I was in Ohio during a part of this, wasn't I? Yeah. yeah. And, and they were trying to webcam me in. To, oh, like, show. oh, it's always difficult to do yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Espe- especially in, in the, the early, early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's how I got introduced to this. Was, and people would sit around. That campaign, we would accomplish nothing. Session to sessions, too many people. We're all sitting there going, I think my character can do this, and my character can do that. And so we have a battle map drawn up. It takes 45 minutes per turn. Not round, turn. And so, and we're really fighting orcs. Like, it was just yeah. that simple. Like, there was yeah. not a whole lot going on. But everyone was playing really cool characters that were min-max with prestige classes. Because that's 3.5. We were so concerned about what we were doing, we spent more time standing outside having a cigarette talking about what we could do yeah. than actually doing anything. Yeah. yeah. And that was my introduction to D&D. Um, I, didn't, I don't think I played a real campaign. Oh, also the first time that I ever played, the first session I ever played, Dan was there. We all walked into a cave system and it was, there were spider webs everywhere. Dan walked in last <laughs> and he pulled out his torch and he lit the torch and we're all brand new players and we got in and Dan said, I'm going to light the spider webs on fire. The entire cave. That would be one of my ways. It wasn't a torch. Was I was it? a sorcerer. Oh, you. Uh, I used a spell. Okay, so the the spider webs catch fire, land on all of us. We're level one. Total tar- total party kill. That, uh, that's uh, it. Except for Dan. I lived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. That's exactly the way it should be in this situation. That's, it's, it's... And then my sorcerer turned on his heel, whistled, and walked the other way. Like, oh. eh, we'll find another group. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And Dan wonders why I pick on him in campaigns now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I got into D&D when my buddy Nick, uh, who... Hi, Nick. Um, it was my buddy Nick, my buddy Ryan, and a couple of my other friends from high school um, were... Uh, no, I, it was even before that, uh, from middle school, where uh, we used to hang out in a local video game comic book shop, and we all got together and decided to play this Dungeons and Dragons thing, and I haven't looked back since. Like, I, Nick is still a, a permanent feature uh, fixture in my other feature too. group. And feature. The, the, the man's amazing. Um, like, big shout out to Nick. Like, I love that guy. Uh, but yeah, Nick got me into the game like uh, any good drug dealer is, and uh, um, we're still playing now in that group. Whoa. Shout yeah. out to Nick the drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, for me, <laughs> he's not gonna like that. Sorry, <laughs> I, Nick. I almost name dropped his last name too. But <laughs> uh, for me, it was well when I was younger. When I was a kid, I used to play Warhammer. I used to yeah, play 40k Warhammer. and uh, orcs, orcs, orcs. Lots orcs, of middies, and it's you know it could be an expensive hobby. And then kind of grew up, moved around with work and things, and it kind of fell out of my life. And then I wanted something. I wanted to get back into it. But at the time, I didn't have the the minis and the space and all that sort of stuff. Expendable income. The expendable income <laughs> uh, to do that. So myself and uh, one of my best friends, uh, Rory, we kind of discussed uh, the idea of D and D because it's less minis. It seems to be you know more of a yeah. storytelling thing. Maybe we can do this, and we set up a, a small one shot uh, together. And I ju- I just loved it. I, that was the first time I'd ever played, and I was like, this is perfect because you don't need the minis, you don't need this, you don't need that. You just as long as you have your character sheet, you're set to go. Uh, and it went from there for me. 
Yeah, I, I used to live with Nick, like, uh, right out of high school. Him and I moved out together. Right. And, and, and he was my, my roommate for a while. And between the two of us, as lonely nerds with far too much money and far too uh, much time, uh, we built a massive miniature collection that took this entire wall in our house. It was just minis everywhere. And then, unfortunately, got our house got broken into, and a lot of it, uh. a large majority of it got stolen. But, like, I had close to $5,000 in minis there. Shout out to the thief. We're coming for you. Oh, yes. You've told me about this before. Yeah, actually. I've told you yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we live in Vancouver, and Nick, like, six years later, found uh, a bag full of minis that still had our little tokens on the bottom, yeah. notifying, like, this is the red goblin. This is the blue goblin to help with yeah. combat. Still had them on the back. Found a little bag sitting, like being sold off the street for five bucks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It. It. It, Man, it is something I have been bitter about my entire life. There's theft in Canada. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like yeah. broke into our house and stole it. Yeah, but but we knew him too. Yeah, we th- knew this him was too. targeted for the minis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. it was. Well, yeah, he was selling them because people could they would melt them to get high because the plastic back then. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. On that bombshell, Nick next the drug dealer. <laughs> next question. Whose turn is it next? Um, do you want to do a shout out real quick? We can do a shout out. Uh, let's let's run to a commercial before we do a shout out. Okay. Yeah, cool. Sure. How cool would it be to hear your company name on this podcast? Pretty stinking cool. It's a Mimic is ready to take our show to the next level. We want to partner with other awesome businesses to share your brand with our listeners. Please email us at info at itsamimic.com for advertising information. And we're back. All right. Okay. Oh, uh, is it my turn? Yeah. You're both looking at me yeah, like it's, it's my yeah, turn. It's your okay. Turn. Um, know what? Whitey. Noin. Nine. I'm rolling nines everywhere. Yeah, you got nine last time. Uh, at underscore multi underscore colored underscore asks, what are your thoughts on lizard people? <laughs> Just in general. So um, they're in every organization in the government and are slowly taking us over with the Illuminati and we will soon become their slaves and everything. Else. No, no. I'm assuming you mean lizard, like lizard kin, like lizard folk, lizard folk. Maybe. Uh, uh, no, I believe this question is about the shadowy organizations. Oh, I'm pretty sure. So, okay, if it's about the shadowy organizations, um, is this about to go like full info wars right now? I feel yeah, like. I, I, I think so. <laughs> okay, um, that is a bunch of bullhucky. If you want my honest opinion, it's bullhucky. They're not lizard people. They're just slimy people, and and slimy in the metaphoric, they are greasy people who just want to rule the world and have their own. Who, the there. lizard people? Have I missed something? What is happening here? The, there's a common, uh, I guess, urban legend that there is there are lizard people that live below the surface of the earth. Okay. That have infiltrated through some sort of shape shifting. Welcome or, to the D and D podcast. Or, or or deception. They can look like people, and they come in and they have run all of the governments and and large corporations in the world, okay. and they are slowly. Uh, Taking I guess over the, the de- degrading humanity, one, oh, one corporation. Oh, you're talking about Montreal. Yes, I didn't know where you were going with this. I was yeah. like, "What are you even talking about?" Yeah, that's the I'm joking, Montreal. I love you. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You were the yeah, first it's Quebec City. We're talking about. No, yeah. uh, 
So yes, that that's that's the that's what lizard it is. people. Oh, what do I think about lizard people? Uh, I do, I I have no opinion on lizard people. Um, if they're a problem in your life, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but what I would advise is don't spend too much time dwelling on this. If you've never seen one, this is a problem which is not a reality to you. Um, and in terms of oh yes uh, yeah okay I get a turn as well Dan. <laughs> I, my my official stance on lizard people is all hail our scaly overlords. Please remember me. I am Adam. You oh can find me God. at Rusty Spirefoot. The lizard people exist. <laughs> if you are real, I'm on your side. Kill Dan first. Uh, how about you pick up a dice and roll? Okay. <laughs> Black 10. Black 10. I was going to talk about lizard folk for ten. five minutes. No, we didn't. Uh, uh, <laughs> here, I was hoping we'd get to this one. Uh, at Alexander underscore another skip underscore Davis asks, what ideas would you use to pump up an encounter with Newhonian ghouls. Do either of you guys know what a Newhonian ghoul is? What is a Newhonian ghoul? Probably some kind of undead. Uh, that's that's a good guess. Give me one second. Okay, is bring this it up. some sort of indie hipster monster? This sounds like something from like way back. You're not when. cool yeah. if you if you don't know what it is. Yeah. Yep. So this like juju zombies and Newhonian ghouls. Yeah. This is actually from uh, first edition. This goes way 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 back. Wolf. Yeah, let me give you guys a breakdown of this because I didn't know what this was. And so I uh, I messaged uh, Alexander, I'm assuming Davis, it's in his name, uh, about what exactly is going on with this monster. I've never heard of it before. What is it? And he went and got the book online. He got a PDF of uh, deities and demigods and sent me an excerpt from it with the stat block. Um, these are rare ghouls. They appear with between one and a hundred of them at a time. Uh, they've got, so this is armor class 10. They move 12 feet around. Welcome to first edition where everything's strange. Mm -hmm. um, they have three hit dice. There's a whole bunch of different stuff about their weapon types, their special attacks, their magical resistances. But they are pretty standard, I think, low level um, bad guys. However, here's the flavor, okay? Uh, n n I guess it's Naewon. Not Newhonian, it's Naewon. Oh, it's Naewon. Ooh. It's okay. There's only three people we've annoyed, right. so it's fine. Uh, Naewon's ghouls uh, are not of the undead type, but they're species of humanoids unto themselves. They are almost Pardon? They're almost totally transparent, except for their bones, which are gray. They are often mistaken for skeletons and are almost invisible, 80% invisible, specifically, in the dark. Once detected, however, they're easily kept track of. They enjoy the taste of human flesh and sometimes raid human settlements, for loot and food, it is said that some ride ghoulish horses transparent to the bones like their masters. So these... These are awesome. Aren't these things rad? Yeah, that's kind of terrifying. So expect to see those in the campaign. But all right, as a DM, you're prepping this. What do you do with these things? What's oh, your knee-jerk reaction? These things these things come in the middle of the night while the, while the uh, party is sleeping, and they've got this, like, tribal feel to them. I feel like you'd see the bones, but there'd be all these, like, little carvings all yeah. over them. And, like, they, uh, whoever's watching that watch rolls their perception and rolls moderately high enough to hear, like, a... And they look up, and they just, they just see, like, skeletons. And there's just yeah. skeletons lining like face, the camp. Oh, face paint, which is almost transparent as well, where you just see, like, the shimmers out. Oh, yeah, and like, it floats, like, inches in front of the bone. Yeah. 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 Oh. Which, because, like, when you think that, like, as their as their face moves, it kind of goes around, like, instead yeah. of, like, pivoting here, right? Yeah, that would be Oh, that, that oh. would be badass. And, like, the horses have it, too. I think and, like, you need have, to like, play with the environment ones. for this one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has to happen in the dark. 
Yeah. Like if you're underground, if you're, it doesn't matter. It has to happen in the dark. And at some point in time, someone's in a cauldron. That has to happen. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. I, I got one better for you because I've had more time to think about this because yeah. I had to look this up. Yeah. You're in a dungeon. You're in a 10-foot wide hallway. Okay. Yeah. There are a whole bunch of skeletons, standard regular skeletons. You're fighting them. And then all of a sudden, four or five of these things come forward. And as you go to hit them, you are suddenly rolling with disadvantage and you don't know why. Because when you hit, you find that you're hitting them before you should be. Right. There's a weird fleshy force field around these skeletons, which is just bizarre. And so when you use the word fleshy. So, no, no. <laughs> so when you are a monk and you are hitting them, you can feel the skin as you're punching them. And behind them, there is one that is floating in the air. There's one skeleton that is floating, arms outstretched, not moving, not reacting to anything else, slowly, like, uh, hovering, levitating, moving forward at, at 20 feet around. And when you run forward to hit it, no, you are in a gelatinous cube. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that. So that's I've been working on that for about a week. I think you could play these guys as even though they're very low level, I think you could play these guys as the big bad threat of the world because they move so slowly so there's that escalation over the course yeah. of sessions. I'm thinking like Game of Thrones, like the the undead army coming from the north now. Yeah. Or, or Witcher with the wild hunts. Yeah, yeah, the wild hunts. Was, was, I, I don't think 12 feet was that slow back in the day. I think that that was uh, fairly... 12, it was. It what, was. was it really? Yeah, yeah it was. But that's that kind of slow creep of like it is coming, whether or not like it's not coming quickly, but it is coming. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, can you imagine one of those things like standing there? And you see this one skeleton, and he's kind of translucent. He's hard to see, and then but he's a necromancer, and he's raising skeletons and zombies out of a graveyard, mm -hmm. right? Like I think like down that road. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for out of one of these things. They're, I love those. That's that's fantastic. And I would have them be just slightly more intelligent than your average undead. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, as a general sure. rule, they're gonna have tactics. Now, would you yeah. run them as undead, even though it like. No, 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 absolutely not. It says right in it that they're not undead, but they, but everything in your party will say, oh, that is an undead. If they've never seen these before, they're stocking up on radiant damage, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning more towards necromancy, kind of like a voodoo sort of feel yeah, with it right, right. That's why I was like, the yeah. Hoo -hoo 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 -hoo. yeah, but but the same thing like headhunters are, yeah. right? Like, they're those aren't undead. This is just a tribe, yeah. yeah. right? So, I don't know. I, that's that's where that's, I go. That's, that's great. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Great question. Thanks for uh, throwing Alexander that out. Davis. Alexander Apparently. Davis. Apparently. Yeah. All right. So, Terry. That's my turn. Uh, I'll go red this time for a 10. We're getting a lot of These right in the middle. loaded. Yeah. Uh, what do I have? Um, Hudson White 99 wants to know how to properly TPK. Guys, how do we properly TPK? Uh, we you, get a, Adam, you sound like you want to go first really uh, keenly. So. All right. So, first and foremost, um, don't. If that is your goal as a dungeon master to, to total party kill, then you shouldn't be a dungeon master. I know that, that everyone is obsessed with the TPKs. I put together these random tables. There's more than one question that's similar to this in there. Um, and people really love the idea of killing all of the players because it's this big epic thing. But remember, the moment you TPK, your story's done. There is no reason to continue forward with this yeah. unless you are going to undo it, at which point it's not a TPK. So... I would say if you are aiming to go after your players, you're being an adversarial dungeon master, and you shouldn't be. This is collaborative storytelling. Okay. Uh, I want to interject with a scenario yeah. 
that I think uh, gunning for a TPK and like planning ahead for a TPK is actually okay. And that is if you are doing a Rogue One type story where there is a hard end where everyone dies, right? And you know it's coming. The players know it's coming. They just don't know when it's coming. And you set this example ahead right away. You are a task force going to go get MacGuffin A so that the side group that is the main party or the next group, the next party can succeed. That's what you're working on. So like Sure, I, but but that's an agreement ahead of time. That's I wouldn't <laughs> say it's a total party kill. That's a that's completed Yeah, but it's a completed campaign objective. Yeah. Right? At that point. I'm talking about the neck beard that shows up at the local comic book store <laughs> to actually run a session with all of these <laughs> These, these players, and I'm going to teach and them. And it's like a power move. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the roll, roll two characters for this campaign because one of them is going to die. I get stressed when one of my players <laughs> dies. You get stressed when one of your players could die. Yeah, it freaks me out. The idea that it was not that long ago that the entire party dropped to zero hit points. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, everybody take a break. I need to figure out my life, please. And then you went away, and I... I went to non-lethal damage at the end of it. It looked like you all died, and of course your characters aren't conscious, so they wouldn't know. Yeah. So, like, I, I rolled that back a little bit, but that freaks me out because I, I'm here with you. I know what this, you're saying on this journey, and so for that reason, I just want to um, just adjust this question just to make sure we have the understanding right. Because so, in case it's not how do we do a TPK, how do we handle a TPK? Yeah. Maybe what this person is asking. Sure. If it happens, how do we handle this properly? Let's let's go with the bad the bad of the bad scenario. You've been playing for twenty minutes, and the everyone failed that one re, uh, dexterity save that they have to save. Oh, if it was in the first twenty minutes, then you all wake up in the inn, and that was a prophecy. And that one dexterity save will be telegraphed to you when you run into it again in twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> run it, run it a little bit like that. Uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow movie yeah, with yeah. Tom Cruise where it's like you're constantly coming back or Groundhog Day I guess I could have gone with that one where you're coming back to Tom the same Cruise point Tom Cruise Groundhog Day? No, that's Bill Murray. That's, okay, but, yeah, it's alright. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> but Tom Cruise is in Age of Tomorrow and that's yes. a fantastic movie that is brilliant and I love it. Um, but uh, you could do it like that. I'd say if it happens in the middle of the session that's where you're going to have difficulty. If it happens at the end of the session it's like, well, see you guys next week. We'll, I'll send you a message sometime throughout the week to let you know what we're doing next because this is yeah. done. Right? Um, if it happens in the middle of a session, I think what, uh, Adam said is actually a good idea where unconscious characters who are dropped below zero and fail all their death saves, if everyone does it, doesn't necessarily have to mean that they're all dead. They wake up in a jail cell. They wake up in a but, something. But you right? as a DM have to know that because if the first person drops and you're like, oh wow, a player died, but they're going up against carnage demons and you tell them they are tearing the limbs from this person yeah you can't roll that back you've done that you've committed stay yeah. consistent however um if you then show that uh the, how i would do that is one of the enemies is casting illusions and i reveal that before the last person drops mm-hmm. right so if none of it was real i i uh, I, I would really okay i would handle would, it with more tact than yeah that. like but, don't don't just I've, I've done this in the past and have gotten no end of crap from previous groups because of it. Where I go, and you guys wake up and it was all a dream. Never do that. Never, ever, ever end it with the, it was all a dream. Well, if unless there are unless there, Unless, unless there, like, there still has to be consequences for it, right? Like, um, I, I ran a, this is a DM fail on my part, but I ran a campaign where 
it was like three sessions long and then they woke up in a cabin and it was all a dream and they were back to what they were at the beginning of the campaign. As a player, and, I would be frustrated. Oh, they were pissed. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to DM for like a couple years <laughs> yeah. after that. Yeah, but see, I would do that for, for a session or two, roll it back and say, fantastic, this was all a dream. Now you don't know what's real and what isn't. Add a sanity stat to your sheet. Yeah. Right? So that's how I would handle that. Like now there's a consequence and that sanity score can go up and down. Yeah. yeah. Right? For me, I I like to try and avoid rolling back where I can. It's more like what is happening next. Okay, TPK, boom, everyone blacks out, everyone goes to zero. What's happening next? Who else is coming into that cave system? Did the objective of the big bad change? Oh, because maybe they didn't know they were getting attacked, but I've beaten you all, I've eliminated the threat. Now am I going to revive you as the big bad here? Because I have something else I want you to do. Yeah. Can yeah. There, There's ways that you can keep the, move, the story moving forward. Okay. I killed you, or I knocked you out. You wake up. Now you're in a slaver's caravan, or something like that. There's ways you can keep going more, moving forward. Yeah. I think without rolling. Or, or a powerful enough villain where it's like you guys were a thorn in my side. Now you are my minions. Go do this thing, and then the campaign. And then the campaign becomes it's a new story arc. Yeah. Now you work for me. Now, yeah, your your party might be like, we don't want to work for that big bad. That's totally fine. There's lots of people out there working for people they don't want to work for, and they're trying to figure out how to Literally get out of that three deal. Three people at this. Table. I'm thinking like grander scale. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. More like nobody's going to shoot you, Dan, if you don't go to work. <laughs> Have you met my boss? Oh, maybe. Okay, but my point is that could be the story arc. Yes, they had to do these things that they don't want to do. How did they get out of this now? Yeah, there's, I think there's always ways to keep the thing. But rolling but if forward. you don't want to if you don't want to derail the entire campaign with that either, um, you can side mission to hey you guys all got knocked out and looted. You have no armor, no weapons, yeah. Uh, but you know the tracks lead over towards this outpost, so chances are good that this that the stuff is over there, yeah, yeah. Right, so go get your stuff back, relying on only your fists, and yeah. and they've taken your spell components. You have nothing. Good luck. You have also said that there is, uh, and you said this in a previous podcast. I think it was episode three or or episode two. You said um, the one way to get to your party, like you could take. Um, Something, but players, they want their agency, but you don't mess with their weapons. Yep. So the second you take that uh, half-orc barbarian, haha, his great axe, oh, buddy, now you, we are sitting across the table and we're adversarial. Yes, but when you sit there and say, hey, you shouldn't have taken my great axe, I look at you and say, hey, you shouldn't have TPK'd. <laughs> yeah, because the idea is you give them plenty of warning in that we went through before, are you sure, are you sure, are you stupid, and... Yeah, if they really want to do this idea, if they're stuck in it, make sure they're aware of their consequences. If if they fail, it's evident what's going to happen to them. But let them fail gloriously as well. Yeah. Let it be the most incredible thing that ever happened. You yes, you wake up, your great axe is gone. I'm sorry, I'm not in agree. I am in agreement in that players don't like it, but that shouldn't stop you from doing it. If your weapon gets taken from you and it's part of the story or it's as a consequence of something you've done, your weapon has been taken from you. I know you really like it, but also cry me a river. Yeah, okay? exactly. You, this yeah. is a consequence which is not you dying. Okay. So. Uh, do we want to be doing a shout out now before we move on? Yeah, sure. sure. If you got one, go for it. Um, oh, okay. So nobody else has one? <laughs> uh, okay. So the shout out that I'm going to do right now is to keep me from not being in hot water anymore. And I'm going to do a shout-out to my girlfriend so that I am no longer in hot water. Okay. So, uh, hi, Mieka. I love you. Please don't be mad at me anymore for not acknowledging you on the podcast. Mieka, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Mieka helps us out a lot with the back end of the It's a Mimic podcast mm -hmm. well, as well. As well as on Twitter and uh, keeps you 
Uh, I want to say mellow, because if she wasn't holding you down to earth, you'd be. Oh yeah, um, off. she's also uh, partially responsible for the maps that you guys get because yeah. she's consistently getting in the way of of uh, my plans and rewriting the stuff for me. Yeah. Awesome. So 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 ten out of ten. Mika, you're amazing. I didn't know Mika did that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank there, you. There's actually a map on the world that you guys have now. There, there's a lake on the world map that is her lake, and she is queen of that lake. Uh, sorry, princess of that lake. And uh, you're not allowed there. And if you go there, you will meet her. Okay. So, <laughs> so that was a promise that I made. <laughs> In the game? I love that. That's awesome. So, That's incredible. Yeah. All right. Next. Who's rolling next? Uh, it's my turn. Adam, I, go I'll Grab for the it. white die. Uh, 19. 19. I'm winning this so far. Uh, on the white table. Uh, underscore, roll or die, underscore. Uh, who's this person? Asks, Terry, yes. what color nipples might a female half-orc have, and why do you know? This, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, depth, first of all, shout I out to... I want to know, Hugh, is there hair? <laughs> like, I want to know details. Exactly. Well, first of all, shout out to Roll or Die. So, Jesse runs Roll or Die, also runs Dun- Dungeon Devil Designs, and... She's, she's of one of ours. our old players. Yeah, she, she's, 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 great. she's one of the ones who moved to Australia. And we love her. And she now lives in Chult. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> the hellish desert Chult. They yep. are, I would argue, slight, so a half-orc skin is a little green. They're slightly Doesn't have to be. darker. Slightly darker green or slightly darker tone to the rest of the flesh. That would be the sensible, obvious answer. As is the case with all creatures on the planet, and therefore that is the correct answer. This one was only going to meet me as the DM decided that. Next question. Oh, okay. I, I would say that they're like hot. I think it's my turn to roll. Oh, oh yeah, it's your. No, it's your yeah, as it's a your matter of fact, the ruling at the table was no, turquoise. No, we don't get. It was nope. turquoise. Nope. It is can, canonical now. It is yeah, turquoise. But you forgot a part of that question. And why do you know this? Uh, my last character had a wife who was a half orc. What uh, happened to don't... Kogu? Okay, my character's wife's name was Kogu, and. This might sound crazy, and this is how nerdy I get. I got so invested in that, that when... And I just imagined her as this beautiful, like, CrossFit girl-type yeah. person, and she was Just, incredible. like, ripped. Well, well, you rescued her from slavery, and then courted her for months yeah. before anything happened. Like, I have never seen... A lot of times, a player will walk in and be like, oh, hey, I'm going to seduce the waitress or the barmaid or whatever. But and it wasn't like no, that. No, it wasn't like... No, this was a relationship. Terry and I... We dated for like nine months, and Adam playing Kogu would like that's hot. Would like come onto me, and Titus was like, "No, dear, we shouldn't do this. You're going oh, too quickly." She was far more aggressive sexually. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> like we had, we'd have like it's, sit it's, down it's stories like this that make me regret that I missed this part of the campaign because like I came into the campaign and then Kogu. Met her unfortunate. It end. was it was like it was like aggressive. It was on her part, and I was trying. But it was almost kind of like for those of you guys that have seen like Faulty Towers, yeah, like yeah. Basil and Sybil. It was kind of yeah. like like yes, dear. Like it was like <laughs> totally like that as well. So he's like always complaining about her. It's amazing. Anyway, okay. Anyway, Kogu loved her, and then she died in front of me. It was awful. Okay, I'll roll for my question. Oh, I went black again. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, what's that? Three. Okay, question three on the black table. Oh my god. Dorian Mikulan. At Dorian Mikulan. See, like, how much? I'm, I'm getting all of the hard ones. Homebrew? Question mark? Yes, it exists. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. Uh, if, I, if I can just address homebrew for, for, for a moment here, it is so expensive to buy coffee at a shop day in and day out yeah, yeah. that brewing it at home makes a big difference. <laughs> It'll help your wallet. 
and things will be better. For those of you who don't drink coffee, but you make your own beers you at animals. home, you can also homebrew different kinds of, of ales and beers. And, and if you are so inclined, meads, mm-hmm. if you want to get a hold of us and send them to us, send us an email at info at itsamimic.com yep. to send us your at-home beers. Yep. Yeah, or if yeah, you want to reach and, out to our uh, craft brewing company, you can find us at, at specialmeads on Instagram. All right, All right uh, my turn. Um, you know what? Let's go red. Twelve. <laughs> Do you know what it is? La sigh. Come on. Some ass. So come on. Come on. Named come on. at Rusty St- St- Can you help me read it? Rusty Stero. St- Foam. Uh, the R- Roos- Foam. That says the human form of Satan himself. Yeah, human form of Satan himself asks, "What happens to the noobs we send you?" I- Adam, would you like to clarify? Because this is you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I keep seeing Terry talking about send noobs D and D. Yeah, I want to know what happens when I send him noobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, Terry, I I take them away. I collect all of my noobs. And I tie them together. Um, in a so big, you have a bundle of noobs? I have a bundle of noobs and I store them all in my basement. And that's where I keep them. And, For to what end? Uh, this is where I can go. I can look at them. I can admire them and uh, certain aspects of like them. Like straw, he sucks the energy from them for you. I, and I will suck from them. And yeah, and, and that's where I keep them. I keep them in my basement. You are the bad kind of dungeon master. Okay. That's, the, that's wrong? That's wrong. But that's you, wrong. Wait, we'll talk about that afterwards. But this so is wrong. just, you, you're talking about the piles of letters, like the noobs that I get, and I tie them up. That's where I keep them. That's what we're talking about, I assume. Letters? No, we were talking people. Next, no, you're next talking, question. Next question. Oh, you're talking about the people I keep in there. Yeah, yeah They're yeah. also in there. Yeah, okay. Uh, four on the red die. Uh, that was me, and I am going with... Red's the last one there. Red, upside down. Uh, number four. We got this one already. I'm re-rolling on the red die. Uh, what is that? Fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, you can roll over ten on these dice? Yeah, right. Uh, Bend Padden, at Bend Padden, asks... Theater of the Mind versus Minis on Minis on Minis. Oh, we, uh, we, we covered this. this on episode two. Yeah, uh, we have a whole episode about it, so go listen to that one. Yeah. Go listen to that, yeah. All right, Terry, you roll. Benny Paladin, go listen to that one. I'm going to do the white die. Short answer, go Theater of the Mind, use Minis when you need to. Eight, eight on the white table, Adam. Eight on the white table. Here's the white table. Here's the white table. Number eight says, at... Is that D and D Dream or D and D Dream? D and D Dream. I would D and Dream. D and Dream. <laughs> Guys, I just... thought it was like some sort of like uh, look paper catcher? company. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know you want good Instagram handles. Just do better, okay? D and Dream underscore zero three asks, "What is your favorite sex position?" Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, are we going and there? the room goes quiet. No. No. Screw it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Is that literally what it's called? No, screw it, I'll do it. That's it. That, that's, that's, the the name, that's the name of the cocktail that we drink. <laughs> <laughs> the no, screw it, I'll do it. Rum, vodka, It all gin. depends. Look, guys, I like Splash different things cream. at different times. But if you really, if you really want to make me feel happy and you want to be one of my continuous noobs, I need you to lie sideways. I need you to pull one leg out so I can kind of straddle one of your legs either side. And then we kind of go in that way because it just... Hits it a little bit differently. Okay, next. We might edit that out. Right, we Dan, might edit that Dan out. what's yours? Mine? I'm boring and I'm 
I'm, yeah. Well, you're, yeah, you're from the church, so yeah, you're missionary. a missionary. Yeah. Lights up missionary? Yeah. I'm yeah. With you. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the purple saxophone? And the less I say about that, the better. Okay. So, what, next, Dan, you're what up. What the hell? So, <laughs> the purple saxophone. Okay. Okay. Black number six. Black number six. Here you go, Dan. Oh, I love how you guys just left me hanging on that. I was like, can I answer this question? These questions followed up with at Live for His Glory. That shout out to Brad. Hi, Brad. Um, How can a player help their GM? For example, are there things you should be thinking of during character creation that would help a DM? Form the world without totally throwing off their world building. Oh my god, what a what a considerate player. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is this is the you. guy who's also sending me messages every two days. Hey, when are we playing next? Hey, when are we playing next? What a considerate player. How can we help the DM or the GM? Um if you're a gungeon master. So what I would say is during character creation, put things into your character creation that are open ended enough. I'm gonna put this out to the group, but I'm gonna answer sure. first. That are open ended enough. That your DM can take it and run with it and bring it in. Um, I am a big fan of giving your DM a nemesis for your character from the get-go. Like, uh, my current character has this Rakshasa that is supposed to be, you know, coming up at some point. And Adam's, like, throwing these little tidbits. Uh, My last character in Adam's campaign had this dwarf merchant slash thief slash alchemist slash asshole who would... Uh, he was 10% asshole. Yeah, yeah. he Because he, he's a dwarf and he's not that big. He was hunting yeah, down yeah. my family and my brothers and all these other things because I shut down his business once. So Also, uh, as, genetic deformity. As, yeah. a, as a holy silver dragonborn paladin, I shut him down and he went on a life mission to kill me and all my family. So anyways, uh, having a nemesis that you give them is great. Having a uh, goal to work towards character-wise... Um, currently I have a daughter that I have to find. My last character had a purpose he needed to find. Um, all these other things, uh, you could bring in, in character creation that will help your DM build a story around your character. Come in with an objective already, but keep in mind, it should be a secondary objective besides Besides the the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say, uh, this is a really simple answer, but I think this is the easiest answer, is when you're coming up with your backstory, bounce things off your DM and just do it alongside them. Yep. Because then you don't have that pressure of, what can I have that will help my DM? Because your DM is already talking about it with mm-hmm. you. And and you don't need to worry about what can they use. Because when, be- when you're being open with them from the beginning, they're deciding. And it doesn't become a, a, a job for you to do. Yeah. Okay, and I would say, honestly... Um, my favorite thing to do whenever I am playing is to walk up to the DM before session zero, even before that, before we've rolled characters, before we've seen what this party looks like. I walk up to them and I look them square in the eye and say, I'm willing to die, turn evil, uh, get lost in the abyss, anything for the story. I'm willing to go there. Let me know ahead of time so I can prep that for an epic moment and we can work together to blow the minds of everyone else there. If this is collaborative storytelling, I want to be that performer at the table that goes down in a blaze of glory and spurns forward everyone else in the story because the DM needs to sacrifice someone. And instead of picking on an NPC, Mm. you can wipe out a character or you can lop my arm off, right? Cut my tongue out so I can't speak. Blind me so I got to figure that out. Like, do something. Well, I've, 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 seen, I've seen campaigns where uh, one of the players and, and the DM have worked together with this one character who eventually becomes the big bad. Ah. 
I've, I've seen that. I've seen, like, I guess it's just have open communication with you. Like, don't try to surprise your DM. Just don't. Like, across the board, I, he's not the person you're surprising. Surprise the players. I do, yeah, I don't understand the mentality of trying to su- surprise the DM, but I, I guess that's it. Yeah, it can e- be different. E- even, when, even when I level up, I tell the DM these are the new spells I took. This yeah. is what I can do now. Because otherwise, the first battle that I have, I'm going to steamroll over whatever he prepped because he doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. Right? And that's not fun for me. I want to be... I want to live on the raggedy edge. Yeah. Right? So... Me too, yeah. I, I Well, I talk to you guys all the time about how the threat of death needs to be real for me for the game. Yeah. But Awesome. Next one. Who's rolling now? Uh, that's me. I picked up the black die. The black die is getting the most love today. Yeah. Uh, that is a 16? 16. 16. <laughs> My brother... Hi, Dave. Hey, asks, Dave. Asks... If Dan was a half orc, which oh, half God. would it be? And provided <laughs> provided <laughs> examples and be specific. I love this question, <laughs> Dan. Which half would you be? Oh, the physical half. The physical half? Yeah, mental half. I'm me, but the physical half, half orc. Mm, I'm not sure it's a fifty-fifty split. If you had to do it, wow, with your body, thanks. I'm not. If you, thanks. If you to do You're it, just so big. There's not a lot there mentally, Dan. I just meant that's in what general, you just said to me. Not just for you. <laughs> If you had to be like top half half orc or bottom half human, like what would you all the other way around? Bottom half half orc. Bottom half half orc. As a male, bottom half half orc. Yeah, yeah. And you know why. You all know why. Because of, of the strength in their legs for running long right. distances. Yes, Absolutely. yes, yes. And also well-formed butts. What about, and I'll bounce this off you guys. <laughs> you know when you get out of the shower. butts? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. No, hold on. You know when you get out of the shower and that problem that all men have when you get out of the shower... Which is when your hair is wet on your legs and it just goes like, it just doesn't look great when it's wet going down. You guys are looking at me funny like I'm coming out. No, 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 no. I'm with you. This is why I wax my legs. Okay. That doesn't look, that look I've never thought looks great anyway. And it's fine once your leg hair is dried. Wouldn't that look worse as a half orc? Okay. All right. Yes. But that is why you are always wearing a loincloth. You're not actually wearing a loincloth. That is just your natural body hair. Oh, I'm talking about leg hair down here. Like we're, below we're talking the knee. half orcs, not dwarves. Right, okay. Oh, below the knee. Like, like you know like when, like when your hair is wet? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, I have never in my life spent that three seconds of looking at my leg hair being wet and went, oh, that looks bad. <laughs> I feel, we're never, again, never at again, all. Again, I was again. talking earlier to you about how you think only about how you think, so I just assume that everybody else can I'm with, I'm with you, Terry. Like I'm with you. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. Who's um, next? Me, again, but, I also don't wear shorts, so I know, like... My, if I if I don't like okay. my you're leg Canadian. Hair, I All Canadians wear shorts and flip flops. No, nope. so. I I wear jeans year round, my friend. Huh. So so hold on. Now that we've gotten out of all of that crap out of the way, let me pull it back to the question. And here's where I'm going to be serious for a minute. When you were playing a half orc, a half elf, or any sort of of uh, inspired a genasi, even right when you are kind of from two different worlds. How do you reconcile which part is from which when you're when you're building your character? If you're a half-orc, which orcish tendencies are you going for? Are you going to lean into as opposed to other ones? If you're because remember, you're also half-human. Yeah. Right. So you don't have to have tusks and big teeth. I I would I would play it as uh personally, uh, I would play it as a human with anger issues. Hmm. Like in in, in attitude uh, but but uh, now you're leaning into barbarian. I'm well, no, 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 even like standard half orc. I would. They're I, more passionate people. I say, like I that. say what you're saying. I would, but I wouldn't do as anger issues because I don't think I don't think the orcs would say that they're angry. I think they they are instinctually aggressive. 
Yeah. So because they're territorial, or because yeah, yeah, of the, yeah. their instincts. Are, well, I was so, more passionate. Yeah. So that's how I would do. It, is a half orc is instinctually more aggressive when it comes to things like protecting his friends and things like that. Sure. Okay. okay. Is, Terry, do you have anything that you want to? Um, I would be a top half half orc. Yeah, male or female? Uh, yeah, like just top half female, bottom half male. That's the dream. <laughs> That's the dream right there. And Terry was never seen from again. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you have any any final thoughts on? Not um, at all. No, I agree with you, Dan. Yeah, I figure though, um, just to weigh in on it, if you're going to play something that is not strictly human but has human tendencies, those those uh, aspects of you that are human. Are things you already know how to play. This is a fantasy game. Lean into that tiefling bloodline. Lean into the, the dragon bloodline if you're a sorcerer. Right? To have draconic aspects to your way of thinking. Even, lean lean into the celestial if yeah. you're a mirror. Like, yeah, yeah. Like really play with it because when are you going to get the opportunity to do this again? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. my... Does you, and which side does your character prefer? So actually, Left. it's funny. I think this is something that um, I never really uh, fleshed out with my last character, Solomon, who was a half-elf, was that he actually did not enjoy his elf bloodline. And I was actually That's going because to have, elves should be ashamed of themselves. I was actually going to have that character actually cut the points of his ears off. So when you met him, he was scarred here because he'd cut oh, his Oh, that's elf so cool. Had off. I known that, we would have played with it more. I, I didn't do it in the end. I decided not to because he did not enjoy his elf side as much. Cool. Cool. I your turn, Terry. Oh, it is? Uh, I've done white. Pat. Do I do red? I'll go red. Uh, for a 15. Yay. It's already been done. Roll it again. Uh, okay. Red again. Uh, three. You make me read the... Three all natural twenties again. Hey, oh, no. hi ladies, <laughs> Terry. Hey say, ladies, say hi to Stroud for us, will you? Yeah, all of you. Terry, can we get a video of you shaking it like Pooh Bear? Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, yes, you can. I need you to sign up to my Patreon on my private Snap. Uh, is fifteen dollars a month, and there are already videos uploaded of me shaking it like Pooh Bear. He also uh, private Snap is. Uh, Terry's favorite sex position. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is, that is. And also a character I played once in a... Never mind. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Talking I'll throw more it up about there. those dungeons that you engage in? I'll throw it up there one day, ladies. Uh, I'll throw a dance video up. Why not? Okay. Um, we want to do one more round and then... Let's do one more round. All right. Um, it hasn't gotten a lot of love, so I'm going to go with the white one. Uh, 11. Let's see. 11. Uh, at Bryce.Carl asks, how do you impl- how does he, uh, or she, uh, how do they implement more storytelling? Uh, Adam? How do you implement more storytelling? Yeah. Slow down. Slow down your pacing. It's not all about combat. Remember, there are three pillars. The first nine episodes that we have done on this podcast, so all of the ones up until now, yeah, yeah. Uh, have focused the first three on combat, the second three on storytelling, or sorry, on exploration, and the last three on, on social encounters and storytelling and role-playing. So with those three pillars in mind, feel free to hop back and forth. Now, we often get off topic yep, because they all blend into each other so well. Right. But when you are prepping as a DM, you should think about the fact that, hey, you know what? There should be a little bit of role-playing as I'm doing combat. These orcs should be talking to each other as they are fighting the party. Yeah. There needs to be motivations uh, for absolutely every monster or enemy that you're playing. There needs to be uh, 
an environmental aspect to every social encounter. Are you in a library or are you in a pub? Mm-hmm. Right? This is going to change things. So when it comes to storytelling, remember that every single detail can incorporate to some degree all three things. And when you're sitting here thinking, how can you incorporate combat into wooing the, the princess? If that's what you're doing, this should be a social encounter. At, at a like masquerade ball, mm-hmm. right? So your environment is a, is a factor how you're doing that. Well, you're not necessarily rolling combat, but you are flexing your beefy barbarian muscles, right? You are a combatant, so you can lean into it, right? So when you're prepping it all, think about your intimidation factor, even when it comes down to, to the environment. When you're walking through, are, other, are the animals running from you mm-hmm. in the forest, right? Because they should be. So that's, there are so many different aspects to absolutely every part of every encounter that that's how I myself would inject more storytelling into it and slow down and hit the points. Yeah. So we've been doing this a lot today. We keep speaking at the same time. Exact same time. At least we're agreeing. I've gotten a couple comment comments that you're like, you're just a British version of my voice. Like we share a very, Oh, we share a voice. Okay. So that's fine. I'm I'm special and unique though. So Terry, I am in agreement with you on that. It comes to, it comes to slowing down. Yeah. And I say this a lot, but it's important. So I'm going to say it again. Where are you going? What do you think we're getting to? The story is happening right now. The story's not in the future. Remember, whatever encounter, whatever's happening, whatever negotiating you're doing in the marketplace or being on the road, that is not an inconvenience to get to the story. That is the story. So how do you implement more storytelling? Slow down and talk about what you are doing right now. Now is the story. All right, cool. Okay. All right. I, I, I have nothing to add to that. You guys knocked it out. Just slow down. Right, Just like even even if you got seven people at the table, yeah, take a minute, engage in the story because the more you engage in the story, the more your yeah, players will it. engage in the story. The story is is not Mount Doom; it's the yeah. uh, twelve hours. And, or and as that. actually, I will throw one little thing: as a player, describe your actions. In, like put in the story yourself don't just hit it don't just yep. i roll up and hit it like you pull out your sword and you slash upwards yep. across its belly roll your damage dice okay like go for it like i target his knee there doesn't have to be a mechanical difference to it but like swing at it like describe what you're doing yeah the dm will help you with uh whether you're willing to hit or if you're even you know things that we get missed adam says is sometimes like you can try and trip the enemy there's yep. a mechanic for it we'll just go with the shove mechanic but the dm will take care of that part for you yeah if there's something you want to do that's realistic for your character to do say it. and if you're not comfortable if you're not if you're not uh confident enough to do the broad you know cinematic uh descriptions just describe to your DM what your intention is mm-hmm. and let them fill in the blanks. And, and DMs, fill in the blanks. That's what that's what we're all that's here exactly. for. Exactly. Right? And that that's a little bit reading the table. Yeah. Some people will do their own actions. Others you have to fill in the blanks and help them along, but that's yeah. it's up to you to recognize where you need to do that. Long and short of it is take time, players pay attention at the table even when it's not your turn, and describe your actions. Sweet. Cool. Next, uh, I grab the white die. So Adam. my last roll is gonna be a four. Four. Uh, Closet Gamers at Closet Gamers asks, "How long before Sixth Edition is published, and should I wait until then before buying?" Sorry. Now, first of all, I've spoken to Closet Gamers a little bit online about this before. Closet Gamers plays, I want to say Second Edition, I can't remember okay. now, but like has said, I can't buy new stuff on every single edition that comes out. That right. is a fair comment for D and D players. That's a fair yeah, comment, right? Yeah. There are twenty books out as of this recording. And there are how many hundreds of miniatures? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just about 600, by the way. I did the math. But there are many, many, many things to spend the money on. Yep. 
right? And we haven't even gotten to the fact that you're spending money on gas to get to and from and buying snacks for the table yeah. and, right? Like, it's it's social. And then there's the hobby itself on top of it. So should they wait for 6th edition? No. When is it coming? What do you guys think? So there, are, as far as I'm aware, there have been zero rumblings for 6th edition coming out soon. They are more focused now, and by they I mean uh, Wizards of the Coast, who make this wonderful game that we play. Um, there have been more concerns with releasing new modules and adventure paths and, and miniatures and keeping that side of the game going. Um, as a person who has played since 2nd edition, who has put a lot of experience in the game, I would say 5th so far is the most... If you have a narrative desire to play the game, 5th is one of the best ways you're going to get to it. So just do it. If money's an issue, there are online um, repositories um, of the SRD, which is base, the basic set of rules that Wizard gives out for free. So use those and roll the character. If money is an issue, there are ways to play this game for I, free. It, I don't think it's just money. It's also intent. Like, when you've got nine shelves of miniatures you've been playing for 30 years, yeah. right? Are you really going to start buying for shelves 10, nah, 11, 12? No, you don't have to. No, yeah. no. It, update your rules. You don't have to update your miniatures. A yeah, wolf yeah. is a wolf is a wolf is a wolf. Exactly. But, right? Well, mimics have looked the same for years. Yes, they used to look a little bit differently, but it's the, the, that's not the thing which is going to make or break your game. And the way I look at it, Zola's going to be a new iPhone. There's going to be a, a car companies are going to make a new model yeah. every year. It's going to happen. They when fifth edition came out, I'm sure there was somebody who worked for Wizards that was already talking about sixth edition. Same as when the iPhone eight came out, they're talking yeah. about the next one. It's going to happen. It's business. Don't let that hold you back in life in general. Dan yeah. is right in that you can always access the core books online if you need to. There's PDFs I think for the for the yeah. rules. I'm not sure about the monster manual and stuff, but you know there's well, Orc well, Hub. Well, well, there's Roll Twenty. Right. There's resources out there that you can use. Minis or minis or minis will always be there. You can play with zero. You can play with 600. Theater of the Mind works too. So don't use those as reasons or things that are holding you back from playing the current edition yeah. because there's always going to be another edition. We will for sure in a later episode cover playing on a budget and ways to get around the expense of miniatures and the books and everything else. Yeah. Okay. So um, the last thing uh, is for me, sixth edition, there have been rumblings. This is a question that have popped up. Ooh, I did the go. research when I saw this, and I went, "Holy crap! Sixth edition, right? When's that coming?" Well, I don't know. So, all right. Yeah, so, so there it. are three things that I've heard. One is uh, there is a, another podcast out there that claims to have a whole bunch of insider information that I call BS on right now because there is no uh, insider information. Chris Perkins has come right out and said, "We have no plans on sixth edition yet, but of course we're thinking forward-minded." Is essentially the point he's making. Right, and he says the sixth edition if and when it gets released, should be backwards compatible with 5th edition. Oh, and so yeah. you should uh, never have to throw out the edition that you're on to play again, a, a new edition. So I feel like 6th edition will be an updated rulebook, perhaps, or instead of getting... See, we haven't had a Dungeon Master Guide 2 or Player's Handbook 2 or anything, which you would get in the previous editions... I assume that when they roll those out, they'll drop them all three at the same time. Yeah. Monster Manual 2, Dungeon Master Guide 2, and Player's Handbook 2 yeah. as 6th edition. Something like that. And if that's the case, then 5th Ed is already sitting here waiting for you, and it will be waiting for you when 6th edition comes out. There may be so, alternative uh, options for rules of how you can do things, but people still play the old editions. 3.5 is still huge. Yep. It's yep. out there. you know. Yeah. And, and same with Pathfinder. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I will say this. For those of you that are wondering, 
if you're listening to the wrong podcast, if you're like, what's Dungeons and Dragons? But <laughs> you're listening to the right podcast. You just don't know it. Yet. Shout out to my girlfriend again. So, um, <laughs> so um, one of the um, one of the things that I want to say is here's a brief breakdown, really quickly. Fifth edition is user friendly. It is for the DMs and it is for the players. Uh, this is more about uh, storyline and storytelling than it is about battle mechanics. If you want battle mechanics, go to fourth edition. Because 4th edition talks about the powers that you get. And even the language in the books talk about how many spaces you can move, not how many feet. It is grid-based and you need the minis and the and the map in order to play 4th. It is built that way. 3.5 is about customization. Uh, 3 and 3.5 is all about customization. If you want to be able to get into the nitty-gritty and have every single rule, there are rules in there on how to fall off of ladders. Yep. It is insane the amount of detail that is in there. And there are dozens of books to that yeah. they release. What, like, what kind of mechanical uh, detriment is there if you lop off a pinky? Yeah, right. And there were like only four to six years of 3.5, and they dropped dozens of books. It is insane how quickly it all came out and often contradicts each other. And this is where the rules lawyers love it. Um, Pathfinder is an extrapolation of, of 3.5. Um, it has since become its own thing. There's Pathfinder 2, which I'm not familiar with yet. But I'd like to, to dig into. You've got the playtest behind you. Um, and uh, and then there's uh, second edition or AD and D or first edition or ODD, whatever you want to call it. As you start going further and further back, uh, you have more concrete rules, um, but fewer player options. Yeah. So, uh, but it's it's really useful to be able to see where this game comes from and why it is the way that it is. And remember that um, Gary. Uh, our our Lord and Savior in D and D. We're on a first name basis, you see. Um, <laughs> you and Gygax. I, I call him Mister Gygax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he and I are homies. Um, I speak with Dad. So uh, we. Wolf. <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> Adam offends everyone. With respect to the Gygax family, and uh, but but he he oh, used to say outright that you can do anything in this game. There are rules in the original edition which state in the books when somebody wants to play a dragon, let them but make sure they're at the right level appropriate to the party. Which means that he knew from the beginning players will want to play dragons. Yep. Right? Players are going to want to go off the rails. Let them. Whatever you want to do is the right decision. So that's kind of the breakdown of what the rules are. Um, you make it your own. Yep. And I, I know I'll be digging into 6th edition if or when it comes out. But fifth edition is by far my favorite one so yeah. far. Yeah, ditto. Awesome, sweet. So you have one more. Next. Oh, is this the last one? Is this the last one? Shall I finish off with? I'll finish off with the black die. Natural nineteen. Uh, natural nineteen. Um, there you go. Let's have a look. Natural nineteen. We've got uh, amateur box zero one says, uh, "I'm new to D and D, but where can you go to play with friends or people?" Go to your friend in the local gaming store. That is always a good place to find a group. Most uh, comic book stores or whatever they are, uh, gaming stores, they'll have a posting of, hey, looking for a group. Uh, you could do the same thing. Put, your, put yourself out there. I'm looking for a group. Um, however, the one thing I've always been a big fan of, you're a new player, start your own group. I don't, I don't understand why you can't just... 
Terry, you kind of came in this hmm. hard and fast where you started running a DM. Yeah, real I quick. was. Well, I was fortunate in when I first started playing, before coming up five years ago, I guess now. Um, I threw it out to some friends of mine, and we all started rumbling about it. And we kind of made our own group. Yeah. It was a very safe space because everybody, me yeah. included, as the DM, was brand new at that point, uh, and so. Yeah, we weren't all super aware of the rules. We didn't have any rules, lawyers, because not everybody knew them. So it was a very safe environment. We were, in fact, I can even think of a few situations where we were playing wrong quotation marks. Yeah. But it didn't matter because we were all in agreement on it. But for this person, if you're trying to get into D&D uh, with an existing group, yes, you can go to game stores. Yeah, just be aware. <laughs> Nerds typically we fear change and new people and sometimes we're not as socially apt as other people. So just bear that in mind that there may be a little bit of awkwardness, but it won't last forever. Yeah. Um, and also just use, be yourself. Yes, use this new thing we have now called the internet as well, where you can access so much information at your fingertips, uh, and you will get a bigger reach if you there is like. Facebook groups for like local game like the Vancouver one and things like that. Reach out there. Don't I would suggest not diving straight into a group. Feel out the crazies a little bit. Maybe even go and meet up for coffee or something, and then join the group from there. But use the internet. That's what it's there for. Yeah, I would say as well that even if there's no posting about the local D and D group, every comic book store that I know will have kind of a bead on who's buying the books. Yep. Um, and there's no reason that you can't start your own uh, question for hey I want to put. Uh, group together and, and let people know. Uh, a lot of the times, I mean, I know that in the States and even a lot of Canada, there are small rural communities where you don't have five people yeah. that are just going to be all on the same page about this. Yeah. So they don't have things like Stormcrow Tavern, like we do here, which is a nerd bar, yeah. right, yeah. where you can go play. So one of the things that you can do is look into um, LFG on Reddit, uh, the subreddit LFG is looking for a group. Yep. We're looking for a game. Uh, you could also, which. if you're by yourself, find a group on Roll Twenty, and if you're if you've got a secure internet connection, you could go ahead and. There's all sorts of stuff on different Discord servers that yeah. people have, mm -hmm. um, and you will eventually find someone to play with. I know that uh, of a few people that play one on one with their wife or their husband or significant other, or they got one friend, so they roll solo campaigns. Right, and they do it where where one person runs the party, the other person runs the bad guys, or it's just one character going through and fighting low level stuff consistently. Yeah, look, there are ways to play this. There are many ways to play this, um, but I'll tell you right now, if you are a parent, introduce your kids. Yeah, yeah. you will have fun with it. This this is going to be a thing because I've got I've got twin daughters who are four, and they're they're drawing beholders and stuff because they see my minis and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, and they are, they want to come downstairs and play the game with the miniatures and the dice, Daddy. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll do this. So uh, my Instagram feed will have a regular update of how That's this cool. goes. Yeah, uh, I, I want to point this out too then because that was a really good question, but how do I find people? Um, and we said, you know, local comic book stores. Let's list them all. There's local comic book stores. There's local game shops. There are also Swing By Your Rec Center. Yep. Right. You never know what's there. Put a posting up a on a board. board. Uh, yeah, I know that some people play in libraries. There are ways out there. You don't have to invite people into your home if you're uncomfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. Find a public space. You could do it at a bar. You could do it at a, at a Denny's. You do it anywhere that you I've want. actually played out of a Denny's a couple times. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about playing. I told you guys earlier before we started recording, I want to play around a campfire. Right? I think that would be a lot of fun. So you, it doesn't matter the location, but where do you find the people? There are all sorts of great online resources. Uh, there are Facebook posts. There are, um, there's uh, Reddit, 
with uh, LFG, the subreddit. Yeah. But um, if you are looking for someone online, if you want to uh, reach out and and add a new person to the party, chances are you found us on Instagram. Make a post. Yeah. Use social media. Blast it out there. And if you only have 19 followers and you don't have the resources, tag us. You can tag me at Rusty Styrofoam. Yeah. You tag can tag me. Yeah, at Oscar underscore the underscore orc, all K's in that. Yeah. Um, or you can tag me, send noobs DND. Or just the It's a Mimic podcast at It's a Mimic, right? You can tag us on any of these and we will uh, we will help as much as we can. As much as we can. So, um, so let us know. If you need help finding a game, because this community can only get bigger and better. Yep. We're only better for the people that are in it. And the more of us there are, the better it becomes. Nice. Exactly. Awesome idea. Love cool. that. Guys, that comes to the end of our It's a Mimic Mailbag special episode answering our questions. We're going to do this every nine episodes. Seven. Every seven. seven. Every seven episodes, yep. we think now. Uh, it is lots of fun engaging with you guys. Continue to send us questions. Even if we don't get there immediately, chances are we're putting it in a big pile of noobs. Uh, that I keep in my basement to untie once every seven episodes uh, to answer those questions for you guys. Guys, is there any last things that you want to say to the to the world? Uh, we hit 18 out of 60 questions. Oh. I know that we already have four questions sitting in the wings on top of, yeah. of these ones. Keep right. sending us your question, guys. Just keep sending them in. Yeah, through Instagram. You can hit us up at uh, Twitter at It's a Mimic D&D. Yeah. Um, or you can hit it uh, hit us up uh, at the email address info at it's a mimic .com, yeah. uh, or on our Facebook page. So And yeah. and as you can tell by this episode, we will literally answer anything. Absolutely anything. Absolutely. Oh, we will. I'll, look, I'll answer anything. All right? I'm putting it out there. And even I will continue to ask questions. Yes. <laughs> look, I hesitate a couple of times. Never again. I'll pull the trigger on anything. Okay, we're good? That's it? That's, That's it. Good. All right, outro. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more.